so, Madam City Manager, I think if staff is ready, they can they can begin. Okay, thank you. Recording um, in progress. So, thank you, Vice Mayor, and thank you, um, Council Members, for being here this evening, and those in the community and the and the um, public and on Zoom. Um, the team is really excited today to bring to you our Office of Economic Development dashboard. Um, I'm really excited to hand over um, the stage to Eleanor Hollander. She's our division manager for OED. So, Eleanor, I'll hand it off to you. Thank you so much, Madam City Manager. It's great to be with you all tonight. Good afternoon, council members. Um, I am Eleanor Hollander. I'm the manager of the Office of Economic Development. I am super pleased to be here. Um, and delighted to present two publications, uh, the Economic Dashboard for 2023 and its companion publication, the Commercial District Dashboard. Both of these publications are posted on our city's website, and um, uh, they cover data through the year ending in December 2023. I'm also delighted uh, later in this presentation to introduce two new faces in the Office of Economic Development to you, uh, our colleagues Vincent McCoy and Rachel Arbios. You'll hear from them a little in the later in the presentation. And my colleague Liz Redmond Cleveland is also joining us as well and advancing the slides. So let's jump in. Uh, this is uh, covering our employment activity in the city of Berkeley. You can see here the unemployment rate in the city of Berkeley increased slightly year over year. It's up to 4%. This is a little lower than our county and our state. And we've also observed some uh, increases in job growth, especially in the arts and entertainment and recreation, the construction industry, and the leisure and hospitality sectors. This makes sense given that these are uh, areas that are recovering since the pandemic. This is a top 25 of our city's employers presented alphabetically. You can see there's, um, we are really lucky to have a really diverse economy in our city of Berkeley. Of our top employers, we have education, we have healthcare, and uh, new to this list this year are uh, two companies in our research and development sector, uh, 12 and Upside Foods have now cracked the top 25 uh, employers list. Turning to hospitality, we increased our average nightly hotel occupancy year over year between 2022 and 23, just a little bit, 1%. So that went up from 69% to 70% which is not quite back to the pre-pandemic levels, which was above 80%. But at the same time, the average daily room rate increased to $181 tonight, so per night. And together, that brings us back up to the pre-pandemic TOT, or transient occupancy tax hotel revenue tax collection of around 8 million. In addition to the hospitality sector getting back on its feet through lodging, We've continued to work with Visit Berkeley, our Convention and Visitors Bureau, which does destination marketing with a range of campaigns, including Berkeley Restaurant Week, which is keeping our culinary scene vibrant. And hopefully all of you are saving the date for the next one. It's coming up on March 21st for 10 days in 2024. They've also been leading our efforts to get e-gift cards that people can spend at more than 115 Berkeley retailers, restaurants, and other businesses called the Berkeley Bucks Campaign and continue to be great gifts for friends, coworkers, or people visiting our town. So we thank Visit Berkeley for those efforts to support our hospitality sector. And we also thank them for bringing the Bioneers Conference, a huge conference that addresses a range of issues around social and environmental sustainability to our conference, uh, to our city for the first time in 2023. It drew over 2,000 
attendees to Berkeley and that will be back here on March 28th. So again, mark that date on your calendar and hopefully you can attend some of those presentations. Turning to a very different sector, as Eleanor mentioned, we're lucky to have such a diverse economy. In addition to retail and restaurants and lodging, we have over 400 innovation sector companies citywide. You can see here on this map, which you can find and delve into on the berkeleystartupcluster.com website on the startups page, that the startups span locations throughout all of our council districts. And we have high concentrations predominantly around the UC Berkeley campus. Those in downtown, those are the big circles in red there. Those are primarily software companies that operate out of an office location. And then we're seeing a growing cluster of those in life sciences or biotechnology in the old Berkeley Art Museum and Pacific Film Archive space now called Baker Labs or the Baker Bioingenuity Lab Hub. And then in West Berkeley, we also continue to see large concentrations in both hardware and biotechnology. So those are those, those large circles. And again, I encourage you to take a look at this. But in terms of the diversity of what kinds of innovation is happening, that pie chart on the right really shows you the range. And for the first time, the life science and healthcare, when aggregated, exceeded 30, 33% and became our largest sector just uh, before software, which was just behind at 32%. Overall, of those around 400 innovation companies, the vast majority, 81% of them are startups. So those are the early stage companies that are doing research and development, trying to figure out how to make their company profitable, what their go-to-market strategy is, do a proof of concept. We have about 325 of those. And so even with many companies going remote during the pandemic, we've had many new innovation and entrepreneurship programs happen on the UC Berkeley campus and in our city, such that the number has only gone up since 2022 of, of those startups. And um, actually, this makes a lot of sense that we're working closely with UC Berkeley on this because they just got nominated or sort of recorded by PitchBook, a major data collector um, in the um, deals and acquisition space, as the number one university for the number of startups that were venture funded. So this is really exciting news, and we are working with their Innovation and Entrepreneurship Council on uh, sharing this news with the world and they've continued to publish things in the economist and local publications advertising that now berkeley is the number one university to attend if you want to have success as an entrepreneur it was also even though we have this great diverse innovation sector it was a really tough year for venture capital fundraising worldwide the numbers we've seen is that around 47 percent down globally in terms of venture investment year over year between 2022 and 2023. So we were lucky that we still had 84 Berkeley innovation companies that did raise money in 2023. And they raised $840 million in seed and venture capital, which is still a very large number, though it was significantly down. It was actually down about 60% year over year from 2022. But I'm also pleased to say that we saw the number of companies and the total amount of government research and development grants awarded to Berkeley companies go up in 2023 to 17 million. And we also saw a number of large deals in a range of different sectors. So on the left side of the screen, you're seeing a couple of the, the highlights from 2023. So Carmont Therapeutics actually signed a deal to be acquired by Roche Pharmaceutical, a major multinational company at a value of 3.1 billion. 
and Cobode Metals, which is using artificial intelligence to find the rare earth materials that go into renewable energy and battery storage, raised 195 million. And then some of those other logos point to our strengths around uh, advanced materials like composites that can uh, allow for lighter weight bicycles and cars, a lot of happening in the immunology and biotechnology space, um, a range of artificial intelligence and plant-based foods and robotics innovations as well. So really a range of innovation happening in the city. I also want to point out that we work closely with our partners in the East Bay Economic Development Alliance, and they had received funding from the federal government for a study that was done by Strategic Economics to look at tr industrial trends throughout the region. And that study published in 2023 showed that Northern Alameda, which includes Berkeley, actually had the second highest industrial job growth in the region over the last decade behind only Southern Alameda, which includes our uh, neighbors in the city of Alameda. And that it was really life science or biotechnology manufacturing that drove this growth with the jobs in that industry increasing by more than 50% to over 15,700 jobs uh, last year. That also corresponds with the fact that they looked at the industrial building space and where it saw gains or losses. And the only category that saw net gains over the 10 year period from 2013 to 2023 was in the flex or industrial R&D space, which obviously corresponds with that employment growth that we're seeing in the life sciences or biotechnology industry. This is all to say we're seeing a lot of benefits in terms of jobs and new buildings from the growth of life sciences, which has chosen to make the East Bay its home. Eleanor, yeah. back to you. Sales tax revenues, a uh, little bit less of a rosy picture, I'm afraid to report to you all. Uh, this is looking at sales tax revenues from the second quarter of 2023, year over year, we are down from where we were uh, in 22. Uh, we are above though, where we were in March of 2020 and March of 2021 when the pandemic was in its more acute phases. Um, this, like I said, the city is down from where we were before. The county is up and the state is up. Um, again, in Berkeley, we are um, different sometimes than other cities in the sense that our sales tax composition, a great portion of it comes from food and beverage receipts. So 33%, uh, second only to straight up retail at 44% in terms of contributions. Now I will turn it to Vincent to talk a little bit about our ground floor composition. Thank you. Um, during the course of the 2023 year, the city of Berkeley experienced a drop in its overall vacancy rate of about 0.3%. Um, among the areas that contributed to the greatest change in terms of a decrease were the North Shattuck area, the West Berkeley area and the Solano area. Um, we also saw that if you looked at Elmwood and North Shattuck and the commercial district, they have all become a little bit closer to the pre-pandemic levels in terms of the vacancy rates. On the flip side, if you look at where we saw increases in the vacancy rates, it were in areas such as San Pablo, South Berkeley, Telegraph, University areas. Um, and uh, and, and in that, what we are seeing is that some of this is contributed to by the fact that we have some developments going on. And in those developments of multi-story buildings, you have the ground floors, which are currently vacant. It is our expectation is that when these developments are completed, they will be able to find tenants for the ground floor retail and office spaces. And that will change the number 
significantly. But overall, what I wanted to leave you with is that we've seen a decrease in the vacancy rate, which is leading to the next slide, which shows that during the course of the year, the retail sector remains the strongest sector within the city of Berkeley. And within the retail, we're talking about food and beverage, office, non-retail, and retail overall. And what I mean by office, non-retail, that consists of spaces which, as I mentioned previously, are going to become offices or have not been designated because they do not have tenants yet. Um, but overall, um, the good news is that we continue to be strong in the retail sector, we continue to be strong in the food and beverage sector, and we have expectations that the office and non-retail will rebound and become stronger as these developments are completed. So speaking of office, uh, it has been a tough time for those owning offices in Berkeley. The availability rate for office space actually went up fairly significantly to above 13% by Q4 of 2023. And with that increase in supply, I put downward pressures on the price per square foot. So the triple net leasing price, that is what is often quoted by uh, brokers, dropped to $3.45, which pre-pandemic we were looking at above $4 per square foot. And while this isn't great news for those that own office space, you can see from the chart there on the right that we are still seeing lower vacancy than our peers in Oakland and Emeryville and uh, certainly those in the nearby San Francisco. So there's hope, but uh, I think it's gonna be slow going getting our office market back and it's an opportunity to explore new ways to put those same spaces to use. When we turn to a different commercial real estate sector, it tells a very different story here around labs. So we've had a lot of new lab or research and development facilities being planned as well as starting leasing this year. And two of those that already have tenants in them but still have space available are the Foundry 31 and the steel wave property called the Lab Berkeley down there on uh, 4th and 5th Street. And then we also have seen, many of you are probably following as you drive along the I-80 corridor or run around or walk around the uh, Berkeley Aquatic Park, the new 550,000 square feet of the Berkeley Commons facility. So that has dropped a lot of uh, new square footage into our overall availability of lab space, which is what accounts for that number you're seeing there on the left-hand side of 42.1%. I think that's a kind of shocking number, but it's the actual PG&E hookups haven't even been fully completed on this Berkeley Commons site. So we really hope that number will drop when we start getting tenants in there and that Berkeley Commons starts filling its facilities. However, the costs of building these R&D spaces are still there. And so the owners of these facilities are holding steady on the price of around $7 per square foot, which is higher than we've seen in the past. So hopefully uh, when we find new tenants to occupy the available spaces, we will be able to see significant revenue coming into our city from those leasings. And then we have on the horizon, a couple of new R&D developments. So there's the um, Berkeley Innovation Zone. They're just west of campus. And that is being planned by the university outside of the city of Berkeley's jurisdiction, but that will house new opportunities for both clean technology or renewable energy companies, as well as innovative genomics with the Jennifer Doudna Institute associated with life science innovations. And then our city has been hard at work thinking about the new designation 
for the Pacific Steel Casting site, and that will be the new Berkeley Forge property when that is finalized. And just picking up on some of these things, uh, we have a couple of development opportunities to watch that are on the horizon. As Liz mentioned, the former Pacific Steel Casting and Berkeley Forge and Tool properties are now being recast for the future. Um, over here on the right-hand side of your slide is a rendering from June of 2023 of nearly um, over 900,000 square feet of research and development and lab space in the future Berkeley Forge project, which encompasses nearly 10 acres uh, at the Gilman Interchange there. You can see at the bottom left of your screen. Um, just for context, the Berkeley Common site that we were just speaking about uh, near Aquatic Park is eight acres. So this, um, this piece is even larger. Also on the horizon, uh, there in the center of your screen is the Golden Gate Fields horse race track. Uh, we understand the operations there will cease uh, for horse racing in July of 2024. And um, soon that site will be uh, in play. Again, it shares a border with Albany. Uh, it's just the southern portion that is in Berkeley, but it is um, it is quite a quite a location. And then uh, on the right there is a rendering of the corner of Shattuckin University where the miss, former Missing Link Bicycle Shop and the McDonald's currently are located. Uh, if built as proposed, this uh, would become the tallest structure in Berkeley, uh, taller than today's uh, Chase building at 186 feet. Um, also looking in the pipeline here, you can see uh, uh, the large commercial and residential developments that are on the way. Uh, there's 74 yellow dots there that indicate proposed projects and 22 orange dots on that map that indicate entitled projects that have received their uh, land use approvals from our zoning adjustments board. Um, you can see they're clustered on some of the main corridors you would anticipate, San Pablo, Shattuck Avenue, Telegraph Avenue, and downtown. And um, in the final months of 2023, uh, we received as technical term here, a, a boatload of applications. Uh, nearly 16 projects came in in December, representing a total of nearly 2,500 new housing units. Turning a little bit to housing prices, again, the median uh, sale price for a house in Berkeley, single family home in December of 2023 was one, slightly over $1.2 million. This is actually a decrease, believe it or not, from the all-time high recorded in April of 2022 of $1.8 million. And overall, the sales volume dropped a bit year over year in Berkeley in December, um, nearly 20%. Um, and rent continues to increase. That's the orange dots on the screen there. Now I'd like to turn just a little bit to um, offering you a short overview of some of the Office of Economic Development's efforts to support local economic sustainability. Um, of course, first off, near and dear to my heart is our small business financing program. Actually, it's now programs, thanks to a grant from the CARES Act. We have two loan programs, our traditional RLF, Revolving Loan Fund, and the RLP, the Resiliency Loan Program, that has 18 active loans in its portfolio. Um, on the right-hand side, these are loans that are available at um, low interest rates to any Berkeley businesses um, for a wide variety of activities, whether it's construction, operations, uh, employment, et cetera. These uh, sorts of financing we're pleased to be able to offer. We also have a loan administration board, the LAB, um, that is a very active commission and very involved in assisting uh, Berkeley's borrowers with technical assistance and support. We are looking for commissioners to sit on the LAB. So if you have ideas, do not hesitate to um, nominate uh, some folks that might be interested in that kind of volunteer experience. I just wanted to remind folks um, how much of the Office of Economic Development's budget here indicated in blue is actually passed through funding 
for Sustainable Business Networks. BID stands for Business Improvement District. And our efforts spend um, quite a bit of energy making sure these very specific local commercial districts uh, get the technical assistance they need from our city. And um, we have a map here on the right of where they are located. And uh, on the horizon, a couple of exciting pieces. Uh, the Elmwood Business Improvement District has recently adopted its, its expansion, the first in a decade. And coming in 2024, we are looking at establishing two new parking benefit improvement districts uh, in Berkeley in both the Lauren and the Gilman districts. And this one, this is um, our outdoor commerce program, uh, of course, starting in June 2020. Um, thanks to council's leadership, uh, we were pleased to be able to offer our business community and cultural institutions an opportunity to conduct outdoor commerce in the public right of way. Um, and through council's leadership, actually, we have um, our coming up on anniversary. May 2024 will mark one year since the local emergency has ended in our city of Berkeley. And our outdoor commerce operators will get a choice to uh, opt in on our path to permanence and decide whether or not they wish to continue operating their spaces uh, in the public right of way. Um, I'm, it's really exciting today. Actually, we just had our first um, applicant come in to uh, take a step on the pathway to permanence. Uh, shout out to Ram and his family at the Taste of Himalayas. We're really excited you're gonna continue with your outdoor commerce. Um, we're looking forward to learning more. Initial um, estimates anticipate that we have at least 30 operators that want to take advantage of this program. And we think that will actually bring revenue to our parking meter fund of over $300,000. We've also continued to promote the businesses that you can discover in Berkeley, as well as the discoveries that our local entrepreneurs are finding and creating here through the hashtag discovered in Berkeley campaign, which was intended to spotlight the exceptional values driven Berkeley companies that you can find on our commercial corridors and that are spinning out from our UC Berkeley or Lawrence Berkeley lab campuses. And so you can follow that at Instagram at Discovered in Berkeley. We've continued to sponsor stories in Berkeley side. And we know we've reached more than 3.8 million people through impressions and registered over 146,000 concrete engagements. Like someone actually liked it or shared it or responded to it or commented on it. But what was even more exciting about 2023 is we brought it to life in the real world. We had a number of those businesses showcase what they've discovered or what you can discover in Berkeley at the CL Creative Space venue down in West Berkeley, drawing over 200 people from our community to celebrate all these incredible businesses. And it was a great vibe if you weren't there. Uh, hopefully you can just attend some of those businesses and get inspired yourself by walking our commercial corridors. We also continue our green business program. So we have 170 green businesses in Berkeley that continue to reduce water, save um, solid waste from going to the landfill and reduce the carbon footprint that they're having on our society. So again, if you are aware of any businesses in your district that are already operating in an environmentally sustainable way, but should be better recognized and promoted for that, let us know because maybe it won't take much for them to get green business certification. Or if there are any that need a little helpful uh, nudge, to operate in a more environmentally friendly manner. Again, let us know because we'll send them to the support from the Green Business Program. Yeah, I want to for one second. Um, I just want to um, acknowledge that we do have a quorum present here in the council chambers. And I now like to call the special meeting of the Berkeley City Council to order and ask the clerk to call the roll. Okay. 
Councilmember Kisarwani is absent. Councilmember Taplin. Present. Bartlett is absent. Uh, Hahn. Present. Uh, Vice Mayor Wengraff. Present. Councilmember Humbert. Present. And Mayor Aragi. Present. Quorum is okay. present. Thank you. Back to um, the OED team. Okay, thank you very much. Um, among the things that you've heard about, you know, large development, technology, life sciences, what we want to make sure is that we're not neglecting the local smaller businesses. And in that vein, one of the two programs I want to highlight are promoting equitable, equitable development. One of them is project equity, which allows businesses which are in the process of transitioning, meaning that they are possibly the owners are ready to retire or leave the business. And under project equity, they have an opportunity to pass these businesses on to their employees. And this is a long process. It uh, requires a lot of legal requirements. And so we enlisted the help of project equity to help these businesses go through this process. And I was proud to be able to be at um, during manufacturing week last year to visit one of the businesses that said, we're in the last stages of making the transfer and we're going to walk away and our employees are going to be in good hand. So this is a project that allows employees to participate in the equity of a business, allows the city of Berkeley to retain a vibrant business, and it allows us to make sure that um, there's equitable participation in entrepreneurship. The second thing I want to highlight is that the city of Berkeley received some grant funding from the National League of Cities. And it, with this funding, we conducted a study of the Black and Latinx-owned businesses within the city. The purpose of this study was to determine what challenges they faced in terms of technical assistance, what challenges they faced in terms of accessing capital, and what challenges they faced in connecting with one another. Through this process, we learned a lot about what their challenges are, and we were able to convene these businesses, and the hope is that we can continue to connect them so that they do not feel isolated, that they feel supported, and that we come up with ways at the City of Berkeley that we can better serve these businesses throughout, not just a period of time, but over time. And what you'll see in the bottom of this slide here is three of the businesses that participated in the program that provided their input on what, what they needed from the city of Berkeley, what they needed from the lending community, and what they needed from the technical assistance providers. And our hope is that we continue to support these businesses through outreach, through helping them navigate the process of getting business licenses, qualifying to do business with the city of Berkeley, and whatever they may bring to the table, we feel better connected with the small Latinx and black owned businesses in the city of Berkeley. Also thinking about equitable development and where the Office of Economic Development has played a role in partnership with the leaders in our Berkeley startup cluster. We've been focused on helping expose the next generation students that are interested in STEM careers to STEM opportunities in our city. So we worked with Cal State University and Berkeley High School to do tours of 11 companies in what we call STEM Career X Tour Day, where they learn about how the drugs that are being developed in our city help people uh, with eye conditions or how people can um, get a, a home cooled through home heating that's not reliant on fossil fuels. So it's been a really exciting time to go out into the community and see what the students can learn and then the companies to see the future employees that they might draw into their field. 
And in 2023, OEB Civic Arts team had a really successful uh, grants program recycle, and they were able to award over 100 grants and uh, over $700,000 of funding. And in 2024, they received a matching grant for the first time from the National Endowment for the Arts of $60,000. And this grant will be able to be given $5,000 increments for capital projects, which is really exciting for Roots and Berkeley. So I'll go ahead and pass it off to Eleanor to conclude the presentation. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you, everybody. We really um, appreciated spending some time with you all this afternoon. Um, covering uh, the economic conditions of Berkeley and uh, giving you a preview of some of our services that we continue to offer uh, every day. Um, so thank you for your time and attention. Again, you can access these reports at this website that's printed right here below. And if you need to contact our office for any information, uh, OED mailbox at berkeleyca.gov is a great way to find us. Thank you again. Thank you so very much. Um, Mark, if I can be made a co-host. Thank you. Um, want to just thank our Office of Economic Development for the incredible work that they do, not just in preparing these uh, annual economic dashboards. I always find that the data that you compile, not just on um, our local tax base, but our housing market um, to be really informative. But I just want to just highlight the progress that we're making um, as our communities continue to rebound from the pandemic. Um, and all the, the programs that we have launched to support our small businesses from equitable economic development. Uh, we were able to get uh, funding through uh, a grant from the National League of Cities that was focused on trying to do out targeted outreach and incubate diverse small businesses in Berkeley. Um, and uh, really appreciate OED's emphasis on equity as we're advancing our city's broader economic goals. Um, so why don't we open up for um, public comment on the presentation from the Office of Economic Development um, on the Berkeley Economic Dashboards. Um, any members of the public on Zoom wishing to speak on this item? I don't see any raised hands. Uh, no, Alex Knox from TBID. And if there are any other individuals after Alex, please raise your hand. Alex, you should now be able to speak. Hi. Good evening. Thank you, Council Members. Uh, Alex Knox, the Executive Director of the Telegraph Business Improvement District. Uh, I'd like to thank OED for this presentation and for all of their work. Um, I wanted to note, too, um, even more good news, that the, the most recent data from the Telegraph District shows that the, the vacancy rate is now down to about 6% of spaces as of earlier this year. Um, and we had 10 new businesses open in 2023, which is a great number for us. It's also noteworthy that we have up to 15 businesses that are in the process of opening and about 45,000 square feet of new commercial space in the development pipeline, creating a 2% net increase in our total commercial real estate in the district. Many of the 15 pending businesses are experiencing some types of challenges and delays completing their city permits and other local permits. So it is important to support efforts to streamline, such as the zoning amendments on tonight's agenda brought forward by OED and the planning department, um, because we still have pressures and vulnerabilities in our local economy that should not be overlooked. Um, I do think that there's there's always you know, multiple narratives that can be pulled from uh, the status updates and the state of uh, our commercial districts. Um, and it's true that 
there's um, there are plenty of good things to point to, um, but it's it's never easy to keep the momentum going and to preserve uh, the strength of um, especially our, our, our retail sector and other vulnerable sectors. Um, so I I urge your attention to the recommendations and uh, the proposals that are being brought forward around this work and um, greatly appreciate uh, your time in reviewing these matters. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll like to, are there any other speakers um, who would like to address item one, the Berkeley Economic Dashboards update? If so, please raise your hand at this time. Kelly Hammergren. And if there are any additional speakers, please raise your hand to be added to the queue. Uh, I'd just like to say how much I I miss our film theaters. Um, we've I've gone to a number of, of really great movies lately, but they've all been out of Berkeley because um, there just isn't that much available here anymore. So really miss that, and I just really miss retail. I you know that's probably gone forever with Amazon, but it. Um, I do miss it. Um, so that's, that's all I wanted to say. And thank you for the presentation. Thank you. Are there any other speakers? If so, please raise your hand. Okay. If not, we'll close public comment and I'll bring back the city council for questions and discussion. And we'll go first to Councilor Taplin. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and uh, good evening, everyone. And I want to give a big thanks to the OED team um, and to the mayor for his leadership. And um, I want to highlight the STEM tours and manufacturing week tours, which I've um, enjoyed um, for the past few years. And I look forward to working with um, the bits across town and the West Berkeley businesses um, and each of our sectors to really um, not only recover from COVID economically, but also bring um, our um, each of our sectors, or, or rather, so to speak, to um, to catch up to each of our sectors in the 21st century, given um, the amount of innovation that takes place um, across uh, the entire city. So uh, big thanks to the team. I look forward to working with each of you um, moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Councilmember Humbert. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I, I really want to thank um, Ms. Hollander and everybody else uh, in the department and everybody who um, specifically uh, presented here today. This information is really valuable for us as a council, and I hope we'll take it to heart and align our actions to what these data are telling us. Um, we do seem to have some overall positive trends in the city, and it seems like Berkeley is showing greater resilience relative to other nearby cities. You know, the office market is better than San Francisco, that's for sure. There's some worrying trends, and those are our ongoing struggles with commercial vacancies and continued rises in housing prices. Well, it, we've seen some um, uh, a fall in, in uh, home sale, uh, in, in home prices, um, which I think is kind of a good thing. Maybe that's a stabilization here for a while. But when it comes to rental properties, um, the news is 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 bad. Eighteen ninety five, a thousand eight hundred ninety five dollars a month for a studio apartment in Berkeley is outrageous, and it also indicates a a six percent rise year over year. That's moving in the wrong direction. Um, this rent level means that in order to be able to achieve 
afford a studio in Berkeley comfortably, and in quotations, you need to make at least or about $100,000 a year, and that's, that's just not acceptable. We like to pat ourselves on the back for the housing we've been building and the commitments we've made in our housing element, and those things are good, but they're not enough. I hope we'll keep going um, so that these outrageous rent levels and ongoing increases, um, it, and we have to keep them in mind as we continue um, upcoming housing initiatives like Missing Middle and rezoning corridors as we consider them. We need to take some bold action, I think, when these items come before us and resist the urge to water things down or weigh middle housing down, for example, with additional mandates and requirements. The other issue that we see in these economic indicators is commercial vacancy, both in office and retail space. I think part of the reason for this are the accelerated changes we saw in working and buying habits as a result of the pandemic. But another part of it relates to local issues like public safety and complex rules for getting permits and running a business. If people don't feel safe coming to Berkeley to eat, shop, or catch a show, businesses are going to suffer and we're going to see more vacancies. Likewise, if we take too long to approve permits or make it too onerous, people won't even bother to open businesses here. And then there are all the various labor and environmental mandates we apply to businesses. These things are good. Um, and they serve important goals, but we also need to recognize the additional burden they put on local and family businesses in particular and make sure that we're really helping them navigate these rules and offering other sorts of support so they can stay open. And this is why, um, as, as Alex Knox mentioned, um, we have this item on our um, action calendar later this evening. This is why I'm really excited that we're going to be considering some good and long overdue changes to our zoning to help attract and retain new shops and restaurants. And I'll have more comments on that item when we get to it. Um, to wrap up, I want to say thank you again to our uh, Office of Economic Development staff for all of their tireless work. This is a lot of work and always giving us great data. It's just what we need as a starting point for evidence-based approaches and I really appreciate them and all of their efforts. Thank you. Bravo. Okay, thank you. We'll go next to Councilmember Hahn. Well, thank you very much. And I'm going to heap on the praise here. Um, this is such an amazing team in our city. A lot of people think economic development must have, you know, 30 people. But I think we are looking at all but one here. Is that correct? Uh, we have one member of our business services team that isn't presenting tonight, and then we have our civic arts uh, team as well. So, okay, yes, we're pretty, much, we're pretty much there. I want to thank Eleanor Hollander for incredible leadership of this small but mighty team, and also thank Liz and Vincent for all their work. And I want to welcome Rachel. It's nice to meet you virtually. Um, nice to see you virtually, and thank you all for all the work you do. Um, it is quite amazing what this small department puts out and just how many businesses they lift up um, at the same time that they're, they're doing all this incredible study and data and watching trends and things like that. Um, just going through the slides as we came to them, um, on employment activity, um, I think it's pretty incredible. Uh, I think anything under 5% in employment is that correct, or is considered um, kind of an, the natural amount of people who leave jobs and look for new ones. So I, at, at 4 or 4.5%, 4 
it's unbelievable. It's considered full employment. So two years, a year and a half after the end of a pandemic, I think we, we really need to take a moment to recognize just how much resilience and strength um, our economy has for that for us to have that level of employment. Um, on the hospitality sector snapshot, um, you were saying around 8 million in Berkeley hotel tax revenue. And I was curious, I know that when we permitted the um, big new hotel downtown, uh, there was some kind of, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the details of it, but um, they were lent some money that they were paying back by not paying their tax or, I, I forget what it was, but is that still at play here? And are these numbers net of that? There was, yes, a, there was that is still at play. Uh, they deduct from the residents and well, actually, the hotel residents in pays the full tourism bid and TOT tax, and then subsequently sends the city a bill for a 50% rebate, specifically on their transient occupancy or TOT tax, not on their tourism bid percentage of the portion that they paid. And so, yes, that does decrease the total amount that goes in and also decreases the amount that goes to our Visit Berkeley Convention and Visitors Bureau. Uh, but the $8 million is I believe net of the rebate. Okay, and how many more years is that rebate in place? Because I know it was a finite number of years. I believe we have, Eleanor, do you, is it, I thought it was for 10 years? We think so, but we'll have to get back to you on that with a specific year um, because when it started is when the clock starts ticking. We will follow up and get Okay, yeah, that would be great because that'll be a way for our hotel tax revenues to go up. All of a sudden, one year, and I just I wasn't sure what that number was that we were looking at there. Um, on uh, the ground floor commercial vacancy rates, I um, I'm you know of course delighted to see that um, in my district the um, vacancy rates are extremely low. I mean, again, they represent probably no more than or perhaps less than what you would expect with a normal amount of turnover, but I'm actually really concerned with the vacancy rates in South um, Berkeley and on University Avenue. Uh, we're, we're like skimming between 15 and 20% in those areas, South Berkeley 19%, University 17%, San Pablo 15%. And I'm wondering if we might be able to do a little bit more targeted um, consideration of what the factors are that are making those spaces less attractive and those areas less attractive for businesses. We actually have increased housing along those corridors and, and they're pretty densely populated, you know, immediately behind and around them. So I'm interested in knowing how we can really focus on those areas and do some targeted investments that will allow those storefronts to be filled um, because I think empty storefronts have a outsized impact on people's sense of whether their neighborhood is thriving. And so I'd really like to see us focus there. On um, the housing development pipeline, I'm thinking at this rate at 2000 new housing units per year, 
um, we actually meet our RENA requirement. So let's hope that we can keep the pace up um, and obviously hoping that more and more of the housing is affordable. I also, uh, like Council Member Humbert, um, I'm a little alarmed by the data which shows that even though we are adding a lot of supply to our rental housing stock, um, prices are continuing to go up and honestly, it's it's pretty steep. <laughs> it's a pretty steep rise. I mean, we're going from 1400 to almost $2,000 in uh, one, two, three, four, five years, half a decade. And that is also another area where I would like to see more study because I think the new, the new housing that comes um, forward is quite expensive. It's expensive to build and then the rents are high. And that actually seems to be having the effect of raising the median rents in Berkeley. And then for all other properties, if you've got an older property, I think landlords often with vacancy decontrol, every time the unit is open, they kind of look at the market and they're like, well, what's the average or what's the median? And my apartment's a little better than the median or it's a little shabbier. And I think they often target their rent increases in relation to those, those averages or medians. And so as they go up, you see the, the price of um, even our older housing stock going up as well. And obviously demand remains robust, but essentially we are not seeing rental prices go down, even though that is the sector where we have added the most housing. And I think that is something we really need to try to understand. Um, I, I'll just do a shout out on the page about enabling sustainable business networks. The uh, North Berkeley in Bloom banner that Eleanor Hollander and I designed ourselves. They are all over North Shattuck and Solano Avenue, and I do get a lot of really positive um, feedback about them. And I want to thank uh, the Economic Development Department's partnership in doing some things coming out of the pandemic in those business districts that I think have, have lifted the spirits and lifted the sense of vitality and may in part um, account for the very high uh, level of um, or a low level of vacancies and high level of occupancy in those areas because um, uh, Ms. Hollander previously um, was overseeing those two bids. Um, Vincent is now doing it, but this is work that um, Eleanor and I did previously and we really did focus. Um, on how to do things that uh, enliven those shopping districts, and they are and they are responding. I also wanted to shout out on your marketing of businesses. I think your discovered in Berkeley um, program and marketing have been brilliant. I think those are the best marketing and ads that I see anywhere in Berkeley. Um, they're interesting, they're human, they're engaging, and they really showcase the diversity of businesses in our community. And I hope that that is a, a campaign that we're going to be able to continue for a long time. I also wanted to really commend you for the 
city inclusive entrepreneurship and pipe talent pipeline efforts. I think in a lot of cities, these kinds of things are afterthoughts, but here I know they're very central to the work that you do and they're incredibly important to our community. And so I, I really hope we continue to double down on those efforts. And then last but not least on um, funding for arts and culture, I'm a huge supporter of festivals and arts in the public realm, and I'm impressed by what we've done, but I would love to see how we could do a lot more. I think what the pandemic taught us is that um, being isolated is not good for anybody's mental health or sense of joy. And I think the more the city can really create the conditions to draw people out of their homes and experience joy and music and community and food um, and be together is, is something that really helps us heal from what we've all been through and also promotes the kind of joyfulness that I would like us to regain. So I wanna thank you for all of this and commend you and look forward to continuing to work with you. Thank you. Council Member Bartlett. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, and thank you for a wonderful presentation, as always, uh, wonderfully put together. Uh, and Ms. Hollander, remember back in the day <laughs> when I served on the revolving loan fund with you, uh, it's great to still still going and I recognize the companies. Uh, so running through really quickly on the employment uh, activity section, we can get it, you can see the trends here. Uh, this growth of almost 11% in arts and entertainment recreation. Uh, this is uh, culture rebounding. Uh, and this radiates outward in greater economic activity, construction, for development we're doing, hotels, uh, food service, education. And what's going down, you see, is uh, computer assistance design and services. That's IT, because no one's in the offices right now. <laughs> so great stuff. And then I want to point out the, uh, uh, the growth in life sciences. We're able to capture uh, the nexus of the university and some of our larger um, uh, life sciences companies to create an ecosystem that's burgeoning. Uh, where they, they need our support to develop more, I guess, testing space, lab wet space, uh, that kind of a thing. Uh, I, I want to hearken back to the movie theaters, the loss of the theaters downtown. Um, it is a tragedy that we lost three movie theaters uh, downtown, and we need to find a way to bring them back, or at least one, uh, and possibly uh, create a public theater as well. Uh, that's a tremendous, tremendous urging for public theater. Um, and to your equitable development section, really wonderful, wonderful. I'm curious though, um, if the, the, the Berkeley Inclusion and Diversity Index program, which I know is underway uh, to help these new businesses partner with the city uh, in meeting its goals and fulfilling um, our, our, our functions, um, if that was considered at all in this, uh, in this section of the report. And I don't know who, who talked about that, either you or the city manager. Um, well, I can defer to the city manager. I can tell you, thank you for the Bendex, um, you know, shout out. It's definitely something that we let the consultants know about, though it was slightly, um, you know, a sort of separate effort from the National League of Cities uh, grant project. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Deputy City Manager Latanya Bello is on. She is lead on that project as well. So I will turn it over to her. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Madam City Manager. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor and Council. 
uh, Councilmember Bartlett, as it relates to the Bindex, the one that we are working on with the City of Berkeley's race and equity uh, internal team is really res in response to your item that you put forth at the beginning of um, 2022 or so. I'm sorry, we gave it to them at the beginning of 2022, but it has to do with the Mason Tillman and Associates report that was pre uh, presented to council in no November of 2021. Um, and so what we did was take that study, we brought it in-house and assigned that to our race and equity committee, which is a group of volunteer um, employees within the city of Berkeley. That really was having us take a look at our contracting processes with our finance department and a lot of the internal departments to see how we can improve ensuring that people of color were able to participate in these processes in addition to um, uh, more women minority-owned businesses able to participate in our contracting processes. So that's really what that focus is. Um, and that Vindex is ready. That team is ready to present something to the city um, to the city council. We have already shared it with you, Councilmember Bartlett, because it was your item to give you an idea of the direction we were going in. We have hired the diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. And so now I'm actually, I think I'm meeting with the team next week as we prepare to bring forward their findings and all of the internal work that's been done uh, to the council and to the public um, in the month of March or shortly thereafter spring recess. So I hope that is responsive to your question, but that was really more focused on our internal contracting processes to ensure we could get a greater representation in, uh, amongst those that receive city contracts. Thank you. Great. That's a great thing. Thank you, because uh, all the elements here in this report uh, paint a picture of growth. And we're going to be rebounding and expanding our local economy uh, and expanding the tax base beyond the usual suspects. Uh, and in so doing, we want to make sure uh, that everyone can be a piece of this and everyone can benefit from it and contribute to our greater success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any additional questions or comments from members of the city council on the presentation? Okay, if not, thank you to the small but mighty team from the Office of Economic Development for all your incredible work. You know, the arts are a really critical part of our city's economic um, uh, base as well, uh, and obviously critical to the cultural life of our city. Um, and uh, really appreciate all the work that OE does um, to advance our city's economic and cultural life. So with that, um, I can make, I'll make a motion to adjourn the special meeting. Second. Um, Councilor Weingarp is not, I think is on the Zoom still. Um, so uh, we'll call the roll on the motion to adjourn. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Kessler-Wani, absent. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? To adjourn. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Han? Yes. Uh, Weingarp? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Argy? Yes. And want to thank Vice Mayor Wengraf for chairing in my absence. Um, so uh, this special meeting is adjourned. We'll convene the regular meeting of the City Council.